We are on Yevamos Ayin Dalet Omer Aleph 74a, and we are towards the very bottom of the page, moving on to Ayin Dalet Mabei 74b, and this week's uh, recording for Daf Ayin Dalet for 74 will only be two recordings. Uh, we'll only have two recordings. The first recording was the last recording, which covered the first Amud, the first page, and this will cover the second page. We now return back to the Mishnah, the Mishnah that we started off with a while ago, a few weeks ago, was really discussing who is allowed to eat truma and who is not allowed to eat truma. So the first word was aral, somebody who's not circumcised, and that led us into all these tangents about uh, somebody who's not circumcised, what are they allowed to eat, what they're not allowed to eat, all these tangents. And so now we go to the second word of the Mishnah, who is not allowed to eat truma, Somebody who is Tameh, somebody who is impure. If they're impure, so then they are not allowed to eat trumas. The Gemara says, Menachemili, what's the source for this? It's not explicit in the Torah. The Gemara says, Amr B'yochanan, Mishum B'yishmal, Amr Kra, the verse says, Ish, Ish, Mizera Aaron, V'hu Tzarua, Ozav. The verse says that person, person, we had this uh, before, uh, to, to include somebody who's an Aral, somebody who's not circumcised, but the verse says, that he comes from the Zera Aharon, from the children of Aaron, and he's somebody who is impure. So then the verse says that he's not allowed to eat from something which is Kadosh. Mina Kadoshim, they can't eat something which is Kadosh, which is holy. How do I know that this is referring to Truma? So the Gemara says, Ezu Dover Shishava Bazar Shal Aaron. It has to be something which is uh, equal and something which is uh, permissible for the entire. Zerah shall Aaron, the offspring of Aaron, meaning the both the men and the women are allowed to eat this. That must be that that's what it's referring to, because otherwise it's just it's unclear what exactly is it referring to. So what is that referring to? Have Omer zu Truma. Truma is allowed to be eaten both by men and by women who are Kohanim. So the Gemara says, but we have other things that both men and women could eat. So for example, when it comes to the sacrificial offerings, there are parts of the animal which are only allowed to be eaten by the Kohanim, but it can be eaten by both men and women, the Chazev uh, different parts of the animal. So the Gemara says, it's true. However, this is an interesting point, and we mentioned this, we've had this uh, in the past, that if you have somebody who was a woman who was a Kohen, she was the daughter of a Kohen, and she married a Yisrael, she married a non-Kohen. So during their marriage, so she's not allowed to eat truma. She's not allowed to eat anything that a Kohen is allowed to eat because we don't view her at that point in time. She's connected to her husband. Her husband is not a Kohen. However, if they get divorced or if he passes away, the husband passes away without any children, she returns back to being a Kohen and she's allowed to eat truma. However, she is still not allowed to eat the Chazev Shok. She's not allowed to eat from these parts of the sacrificial offering. She's not allowed to eat that. So the point is, is that with regards to those parts of the offering, it is not equal to both men and women equally because when the woman returns back after her marriage, she's still not allowed to eat the chazeh v'shok. So the Gemara says, Truma nami b'chalala. But Truma also, the special food that's given to the Kohen from the produce, not all Kohanim are allowed to eat that. Who's not allowed to eat that? Somebody who is a chalala. Somebody who is the child of an illicit relationship with, that has to do with Kohanim. She's termed and, and viewed as a Chalala. And so therefore she's also not, such a person is not allowed to eat Truma. So Mara says, wait a minute. Chalala lav zara de arunhi. We don't view a Chalala, such a person who is the child of an illicit relationship. 
We don't view them as part of this category called the Zeresh al as the offspring of Aaron in terms of Kahuna. They don't have the status of a Kohen at all. And so therefore you cannot bring a proof from them. The reason why they can't eat Truma is because they don't have the status of a Kohen. But in general, with regards to all other areas of Halacha, when it comes to a Kohen, Truma is the only thing which is equal between men and women when it comes to the Kohen. That uh, just like men are allowed to eat it, women are also allowed to eat it. And so therefore the verse must be referring to Truma. And we say, this is the source for the verse that if you are impure, you are not allowed to eat Truma. That is the proof. The Gemara now asks the following question, which will be the discussion uh, really for the next little while. The Gemara says, Essentially, there are different stages in which uh, things take place in order to become pure. Uh, there's a process in order to become pure, from impurity to become pure. So stage number one is going to the mikvah. Going to the mikvah is stage number one. You go to the mikvah, you are either completely pure, partially pure. Stage number two is you hit nightfall after you go to the mikvah. It's nightfall. That's stage number two. Stage number three is the next day for some uh, aspects, for for, uh, for at least with regards to certain impurities, the process is that the next day you have to bring a sacrifice and that completes it completely. You are completely pure. And so the, the ruling is, before we get to the question, the ruling is, is that all you have to do is go to the mikvah and then you're pure with regards to eating Meiser Shani, with regards to eating the Meiser Shani, the produce that's brought to Jerusalem. However, in order to eat Truma, you have to wait until nightfall. And in order to eat Kachim, the sacrificial offerings, you have to wait until the next day after you bring your own personal sacrificial offering if it's necessary. Uh, that's basically the order and, and uh, the process of purification. So the Gemara asks, how do we know this is true? What's the source for such an idea that for Truma you have to wait until nightfall? Where does this come from? How do we know? Maybe you have to wait until you bring your actual offering the next day. The Gemara says, No. Uh, so the Gemara says, well, the verse which is discussing truma, the fact that if you're impure, you're not allowed to eat truma, that verse itself, what's it referring to? So it's referring to somebody who became impure, tummy nefesh, somebody who became impure through the touching of a dead person. That person, such a person becomes impure, does not require a sacrificial offering. And so just like that person doesn't require a sacrificial offering, the entire Pasuk, the entire verse is discussing people who do not require a sacrificial offering. How do you have that? So what is included in the Pasuk, in the verse? It's including a Zub. That's somebody who has a some form of a, of a seminal emission. Uh, we're not going to get into the details right now. <coughs> it's not the normal form. Um, and they become impure. However, it's only if they see this three times that they require a sacrifice. So what we're discussing in the verse is where you don't require a sacrifice, it only happens twice one or two times, or we're discussing a mitzorah. Another one on the list is a mitzorah, and so the different types of mitzorahs, different people who have uh, forms of leprosy. And so if it's, a, if it's a form where we're not sure, but we tell them to be secluded out of concern, so it's such a person, they don't bring a sacrifice. It's only if it's muchlat, it's only if it's uh, that we know definitively. Uh, but if we don't know definitively, so then they do not bring a sacrifice. So basically, the verse itself, when it discusses truma, they're discussing all cases where we do not require a sacrificial offering in order to become pure. So we learn from here that it's not necessary. You become pure just by nightfall. The Gemara says, hold on a second. It's not so simple. How do 
How do we know this is true? Maybe the verse is all discussing cases where we don't require, it's like what you mentioned, where you don't require a sacrificial offering. But if there's somebody who does require a sacrificial offering, maybe in such a case, they're not allowed to eat truma until the next day after they bring the sacrificial offering to complete the entire tara process, the purification process. How do we know? Just because the verse itself is discussing a, a scenario where uh, there's no need for a sacrificial offering, that doesn't prove to us what would happen in a case where we do require, in fact, a sacrificial offering. Uh, so what happens in a case where it is required? Maybe you have to wait until you bring the sacrificial offering in order to eat truma. And Vesu, we have the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, What is the source for all this? What is the source that for when it comes to Maestro Shani, the produce that is brought to Jerusalem, you only have to wait until after the mikvah. When it comes to truma, you have to wait until nightfall. When it comes to eating from the sacrificial offerings, you have to wait till the next day after you bring your own personal sacrificial offering to complete the purification process. How do we know that all of this is true? Where does this come from? So now this is this is what the Gemara is going to be dis- discussing. What is the source for this? So Amar Rav Amar Ravchista says there are three verses. There are three verses which discuss the purification process. Number one says One says that you're not allowed to eat from the kachim until you uh, go to the mikvah. Once you go to the mikvah, so then you're pure. So we're going to see that's referring to Maestro Shani. V'ksev, another verse says, Another verse says that you have to wait until sunset, until nightfall, and then you become pure. And then there's another verse, There's another verse which says that uh, you have kapar, you brought your offering, and then you become tahar. So we have three different sources in the Torah, three different verses, each one says they become pure, but they're each referring to a different uh, time period within the process. One's referring to right after going to the mikvah. One refers to after nightfall. One refers to after the next day when you bring your sacrificial offering. So how do you explain this? It seems to be a contradiction. Ha-ketzad. Sigmar says, Kan la-maiser, kan la-truma, kan la-kachim. So the first one's dealing with Maiser Shani. The second one is dealing with Truma. The third one's dealing with Kachim. Um, so that, that's the answer to the Gemara. So the Gemara now asks, well, okay, fine, we have three verses, and and we have three uh, different cases, Meiser Shani, Truma, and Sacrificial Offerings, which you could eat from after you become pure. So how do we know that which one is connected to which verse? Just how do we know? So the Gemara says, maybe we should say that Truma you're allowed to eat after you go to the mikvah, Meiser Shani you're allowed to eat by nightfall. How do we know that the truth is the other way around? How do we know? So the Gemara says... Of the following, the Gemara says, "No, Adam b'stavra truma adifah shekin machpaz adrav ma'isra adifah shekin hadastav afilu hachim misa So the Gemara goes back to issues that we've dealt with in the past. Well, which one is more stringent? Is truma more stringent? Is ma'isra more stringent? These are issues that we've dealt with in the past. Maybe truma is more stringent because it gets the death penalty, and it's like only kohanim can eat it, and there's a penalty if a non-kohen eats it." Maybe Meiser is better. Why? Because Meiser, you have to bring to Jerusalem, you have to bring to Jerusalem, and there's something that you say, and somebody who just uh, had experienced the death of an immediate relative is not allowed to eat Meiser Shani, but they could eat Meiser, eat Truma. You have to burn it. There's an obligation to burn it. So which one's, which one's stronger than the other? That's the question of the Gemara. So the Gemara says, no. Answer number one, how do we know that Truma is more stringent? Because it has the death penalty uh, involved within it. That there's the death penalty if a person's impure, then they get the death penalty. Uh, so that's why truma is more stringent. Therefore, you have to have uh, wait longer. You have to wait until nightfall. 
Rav Amar says, He says, forget about, forget about death. And that what makes it more, uh, more stringent. Amar Kra, the verse says, Nefesh. The verse says, Nefesh. Ezu davar nefesh, omer is a The verse that discusses, the verse that discusses um, going to the mikvah and automatically become, you, become, you become pure, it must be referring to Meister because it says Nefesh, something which is equal to everybody, whether you're a Kohen, whether you're a non-Kohen, that's only for Meister Shani. Meister Shani, the produce that you bring to Jerusalem that anybody can eat. So it's clear that that verse is the verse that has to do with going to the mikvah right away. That is Meister Shani. So we know that's Meister Shani. So the second verse is discussing Truma. The second verse is discussing Truma and that verse of Truma says you have to wait until nightfall. So the Gemara asks again. It says, I still don't understand. Still, for Truma also, the verse still is only referring to cases where you do not bring a sacrificial offering in order to become pure. But if you were to need to bring a sacrificial offering in order to become pure, maybe I would say that maybe you do have to bring a sacrificial offering. Who said that you, have to, that you only wait until nightfall when it comes to Truma? So here too, we have a baye, comes a baye, he says the following, Amar baye, no, trey kry ksivi bioledis. When it comes to a yoledis, a yoledis is a, a woman who just gave birth, uh, so there are, are laws that are associated with a, a yoledis, a woman who just gave birth. Uh, we say that uh, she's not allowed to eat truma or kachim, truma or sacrificial offerings. Uh, for a male, they have to wait 40 days, for, if, meaning if they, if they had a, a boy, you'd have to wait 40 days. For a girl, you'd have to wait 80 days. And it has some level of impurity uh, when, when she gives birth. Why that is, is a big discussion. Uh, I'll give one reason for now, uh, because the idea of impurity is a loss of life. And so even though somebody's born and it's really the birth of life, but with regards to the mother, she's a loss of life. She has a loss of life because within her, uh, she loses the fetus. It's, it's a great celebration because now a baby's born, but she herself becomes impure because she uh, she lost her fetus, who now becomes a, a person, becomes a a baby, um, which is why perhaps, <coughs> excuse me, someone explained that when it comes to a boy, she's only impure for forty days. She's for a girl, she's impure for double that time. Why? Because if she has a girl, that means inside of her, not only did she have a fetus, but she also had a fetus who had the ability herself. It was a girl to have her own children. And so that's an added level of what she lost because she also had somebody who herself had the ability to, to have her own children. And so uh, that perhaps is the reason why she becomes impure. There are other reasons as well that are given. But for now, uh, we'll leave it for as one, as one reason as why she becomes impure. But she becomes impure. And part of the process of purification is she has to wait. She has to wait the 40 days or the 80 days, depending on whether it's a boy or a girl. She also has to bring a, a sacrifice. And the verse says, Ksiv, until the days are complete. It sounds like she becomes tahar, she becomes pure without the, the sacrifice. However, there's another verse. That you do have to bring a sacrifice. That's the source. That even in a case where you have to bring a sacrificial offering, like in this case of where she gives birth, she has to bring a sacrificial offering, but still, once nightfall hits, once the days are complete, she's allowed to eat truma. This is our source. Finally, we have a source to say that even if she has to bring a sacrificial offering, still she becomes star, she becomes pure with regards to truma, even before she brings a sacrificial offering when it comes to kachim. But when it comes to eating the sacrificial offering itself, she has to wait until she actually brings the sacrificial offering. Okay. So the says, Hakit said, How do we know? It goes back to our original question. Hakit said, Kan the truma of a Kan, 
Uh, well, that was the answer, but maybe we should flip it. Maybe we should say that, no, when it comes to kachim, to the sacrificial offerings, eating from it, partaking in the sacrificial offerings and eating from it, that is until nightfall. And for truma, you have to wait until later. The Gemara says, no, because kachim, sacrificial offerings, is more stringent. She came pancakes, adra, truma chamura, she came machbaz, hanach nafisha. The whole back and forth. Which one is more stringent? Is truma more stringent? It has certain aspects of it being more stringent. Uh, Carbono, sacrificial offerings, has aspects in which it's more stringent. We, we've gone through this in the past. The more answers, first answer is that uh, Kachim has more stringencies. It's a numbers game, and Kachim has more stringencies, and so therefore, for Kachim, because it's more stringent, you have to wait until the very end of the process. The very end of that process is uh, after you bring the sacrificial offerings. So again, you go to the mikvah, you wait till nightfall, then the next day, you bring the sacrifice, and then you're allowed to eat Kachim. But for Truma, you wait just until nightfall. Rav says, forget about that reason. I have another reason. Amar Kra, the verse says, It must be that the first verse is referring to Truma. That right when you go to the mikvah, it's referring to Truma. Why? Because we know uh, that um, if they were... Be allowed to eat kachim. If they were allowed to be kachim, the sacrificial offerings, from nightfall, so then they should also be allowed to touch kachim, to touch the sacrificial offerings. If they're allowed to eat it, they should be able to touch it. But we know that they can't touch it. They're not allowed to touch it. If they touch it, it becomes impure. So it must be that they're not allowed to eat kachim at night. They can only eat kachim after they bring the sacrificial offerings. What are they allowed to eat at night? That is truma. They're allowed to eat truma at night. So that's the conclusion. You're allowed to eat truma at night. As opposed to kachim, you have to wait until after you bring the sacrificial offering. So to conclude, uh, basically the Gemara is saying that first meiser, you're allowed to eat, meiser shin, you're allowed to eat after you go to the mikvah. Right after you go to the mikvah, you don't have to wait until nightfall. Truma, the, the produce that's given to the Kohen, after nightfall. Once nightfall hits, after you went to the mikvah, then nightfall, then you're allowed to eat. Kachim, in order to partake in the sacrificial offerings, you have to wait till the next day. After you go to the mikvah, the next day, you bring a sacrifice, and then you're allowed to eat Kachim. Then you're allowed to eat from the sacrificial offerings. A few more lines. Mask of Rav Shisha of Edi. Umi matis amris truma ksiva hacha. Can we really be referring to truma when we're discussing a yoleda, somebody who gives birth? Vatanya, uh, but it says in the beginning of that uh, parsha, the beginning of, of that portion in the Torah, Daber al Israel, talk to the Jewish people. And we know it says in the Brahisa, How do we know that it's also referring to a convert? Or to a non-Jewish slave who becomes free, Tamalom or Isha, because it says Isha also. It also says Isha, so it's also referring to um, a non-Jew. Truma is given to the Kohen. We give Truma to the Kohen. So how can you tell me that this is talking to uh, other people as well? It's talking to the convert. The convert can never become a Kohen. The convert can never become a Kohen. A Kohen is not allowed to marry a convert, a woman who is a convert. That's something that we've seen in the past. Uh, other women could become Kohan if they marry a Kohen, but a convert can't become a Kohen. So how could we tell me they're talking about Truma? For such a person, they can never eat Truma. It's impossible. So I'm Rava, Velo, you're going to tell me it's not talking about Truma. We have certain verses which are referring to Truma. We know they're referring to Truma. So Rava says, you know what? Within this entire, it's not, it's not within one verse, but within this entire Torah portion, this section, Sometimes it's referring to one group of people. Sometimes it's referring to a different group of people who could eat truma. 
uh, and sometimes it's referring to even a convert who can't eat truma. That depending on the verse, it's not straight. We don't read the the verse, the these verses, these set of verses straight as referring to the same people. One verse could be referring to one group, the other verse could be referring to a different group. Uh, but that concludes uh, that concludes that discussion. Um, also concludes the daf this week's daf this week's page. Uh, but in the end of the day, we have Meister Shani, Truma, and Kadshim, uh, sacrifices, sacrificial offerings. They be, you're allowed to eat them within the purification process at different times. It's not just a, a hard line of you were impure and now you become pure. No, there's stages within the process of purification. We'll continue with the next daf in next week's recording.